This is the 5am Hustle Podcast. Get ready to learn about personal development and entrepreneurship in the new era. I'm your host, Jack Constantine. Let's go. Welcome back to the 5am Hustle Podcast. I'm here with Sean Constantine. Now, Sean is a football player who made it to the NFL. He was a walk-on on the University of Iowa and then eventually won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. So, Sean, I'll give you, let you give a little bit of context on uh, kind of how you got there and a little bit of your story. Go ahead. Well, I grew up in well, Amboy, Illinois, and we're related. So a lot of our family members are from a small town called Amboy, which isn't too far from Dixon. Um, moved up to Byron when I was in the fourth grade and Finished my high school football career here at Byron, Illinois. We were fortunate and won the 3A state title in 1999 and um, didn't really get recruited by a whole lot of bigger schools. But my dad played football at Northern Illinois University and under Bill Mallory and had a great career there and a great experience. And so uh, the Huskies recruited me pretty hard when I was in high school. But for whatever reason, um, right at the last second, they ended up offering me a walk on spot instead of a scholarship. And so was pretty disappointed that that happened, but um, in hindsight, it ended up being about the greatest thing that ever happened to me because we kind of went into a mad scramble and thought, well, if I was going to walk on at Northern, you know, maybe look at and see if there's other walk-on opportunities with some of the bigger schools that we really hadn't considered for a walk-on opportunity. So I sent my tape out to Purdue and Iowa and, you know, Wisconsin, and, and Iowa got back to me right away, and this was very late in the recruiting process, so the signing day and everything was already over with, and Kirk Ferentz was the first-year coach out at the University of Iowa, and I went out there on a, a late visit. I actually thought about playing baseball in college instead of football, so I was just a little bit discouraged with the whole process and thought, well, maybe see if it goes any better with baseball, but of course that didn't pan out either, so. But long story short, I ended up walking out to the University of Iowa. You know, I was really um, probably more excited about the business school at the University of Iowa when I when I signed up out there. You know, we got the Henry Tippy Business College, and it's world renowned. I was looking forward to you know get, getting out there and obviously getting an education. But fortunately, my dad you know really pushed me and encouraged me to to try to walk on and you know give football a shot. And of course. Five years later, after winning two Big Ten championships, and Kirk Ferentz ended up being one of the greatest coaches I've ever been around. You know, it was almost like pure luck that I ended up out in that program. And they have one of the greatest strength and conditioning coaches in the country. Still, most of that staff is still there today. Um, but Chris Doyle, the strength coach, was just instrumental in you know developing me and helping me improve in areas I needed to improve with my speed and strength. And, Bill Parker was the defensive backs coach back then, and now he's the defense coordinator. So at the University of Iowa was just one of the greatest teachers of fundamentals and football that I've ever been around. And I was fortunate to play for a great high school coach too in Everett Stein. And, um, but all of a sudden I found myself as a fifth year senior at the University of Iowa, graduate, graduated with a marketing degree, but all of a sudden get Coach Ferentz pulls me off to the side and says, I'm going to have a long um, NFL football career I couldn't believe what he was telling me but of course I got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles and 
somehow just kept on doing what I had done my whole life is just listening and working hard and constantly looking for ways to improve and become a valuable member of the team and somehow just carved out an eight-year football career and fortunately for me I built a great relationship with a gentleman named John Harbaugh who was my coach for four years at Philadelphia and towards the end of my career he's the head coach of the Ravens and he brought me in to kind of help out with the special teams and he told when he signed me he told me we were going to win a Super Bowl that year and lo and behold we did so it's kind of a great way to cap off my football career. Mm-hmm. I was listening, I was looking at uh, one of the interviews didn't you said it was a storybook ending uh, I mean obviously an amazing ending to your career so I want to back up a little bit and talk about uh, what you were like as a kid because obviously where you come from uh, it was expected that you played tons of sports um, you played baseball you played football I'm sure you played basketball and many other sports growing up and so you always had this work ethic um, coming from that area so you said you mentioned baseball. Were you good at all the sports you did, or did you realize that football was kind of the sport you really wanted to go with for a while? You know, Byron's a typical small town where most of our athletes, especially I coach high school football here in Byron now, volunteer, I'm the defense coordinator of varsity staff, and just love being around the game still. But I mean, you know, in these small towns, uh, you know, we really rely on two to three sport athletes. I mean, we need all the the kids and the boys in the school and the girls too, for that matter, to play multiple sports because we don't have the, the amount of kids in the school to field competitive teams when we have a lot of kids specializing. So um, growing up, you know, I, I did all every sport there was. I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed the opportunity to get really serious into a sport for two, two, three months and then move on to the next one. It was kind of like, you know, by the end of the season, you're looking forward to the next sport. Um, but you know, I, I have a, I was a good athlete growing up. You know, I don't think I was like a great by any means, but you know, I, I, I did a lot of kid stuff. You know, I played in the backyard. I kind of grew up in that era before, before AAU and all this specialized training and a lot of the structure and organization that little kids do nowadays. You know, that we have five kids and our kids are all kind of getting you know, we're throwing them into a lot of stuff. And, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about that whole thing, to be honest with you, because I, you know, somehow with just playing in the backyard and, and riding my bike down to the neighborhood and playing backyard football and stuff like that, I ended up becoming a, you know, a pretty decent NFL football player had built on an eight-year career, and I didn't really specialize in anything until, you know, really when I went to the University of Iowa and I was becoming a man and I, I wanted it for myself and I had this hunger and desire to work hard and put the time in, um, I think that actually ended up being one of my advantages. You know, I wasn't, wasn't burned out. I had, I had grown up playing sports my whole life. I mean, we did a lot of stuff in the backyard and um, when I went to Iowa, man, it was just like, I didn't, I didn't realize that you could put that time in the weight room you can do all this extra stuff and specialize and, and get better and so it's kind of it's kind of interesting to talk about that but well, sports has always been a big part of our family I mean you know my dad he's the biggest mm-hmm. Packer fan football guy I've ever met um, you know I consider my dad a, one of the greatest leaders I've ever met just I'm thankful he's hard-nosed you know he, he didn't let us get away with much and always pretty demanding on us the one thing I always knew my dad had probably very high expectations for myself and so you know I had to live in an environment with high expectations for school and sports and how we work and our that type of stuff and I think it really 
paid off down the road when I got around some other people, um, coaches specifically, and now I work at a bank and Byron, you know, people have, have high expectations for people and I'm just used to that type of environment. So I think it's a positive thing for people. So would you say uh, your dad was a big influence in instilling that work ethic and those values in you at a young age? Yeah, no question about it. You know, my mom and dad, they um, were high school sweethearts from Amboy, Illinois. My dad played football for four years at Northern. And I think they had me at a pretty young age. They were, they, they were freshmen at college at Northern. And my dad finished a football career, got a degree, supported a family. You know, we kind of lived with my grandma for a while. and But I've always looked at my dad as a hard worker. He's now the vice president of a you know, successful business. He's done very well for himself. He just kind of earned everything he ever got. You know, I think it was just a tremendous, tremendous example for me because, yeah, I knew he played football and, you know, he got, he got second state as a senior at Amboy in high school. And then he went on to play in college. And, you know, that was a big deal for a small town football player. And, you know, I grew up knowing that about my dad. But then at the same time, I got to see him transition from a successful you know, Jack is the football guy to a successful business leader. And, you know, that was, that was impressive to me. And, you know, so now I, I find myself, you know, I, I took my football career farther than I ever thought I would, uh, but I just never stopped getting better. And now here I am building another career in a totally separate world and in business and trying to follow in his footsteps there too. So yeah, he's just been a great role model and so is my mom my mom's about tough as nails you know she was the disciplinarian and kept us in line at the house so you know we were very fortunate to have the parents we had awesome awesome so moving into how you obviously made the decision to eventually go to iowa you said that you were heavily recruited by uh niu and then at the last second they pulled away what was going through your head uh when that whole process went down where did you have doubts uh like what were you feeling uh, yeah, it was just, it was kind of crazy. I went to, obviously, my connections to the program through my dad. My dad is his best friend or his college buddies. You know, they all played in the California Bowl, and they're in the Hall of Fame at Huskies at Northern Illinois, and went in the California Bowl in 1983, and um, I had been around the program my whole life. I went to the their football camp my junior year and got defensive MVP, and then I went as a senior and got the overall camp MVP, and um, went on my official visit in January of my senior year. My my host on the visit was PJ Black, who I'm sure you know. And mm -hmm. had a great career at Northern, and um, you know, I just thought I was going to be a Husky. I, to be honest with you, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like like I absolutely grew up wanting to go to North, Northern Illinois University. To be honest with you, you know, as much as I respect my dad, I kind of think I just wanted to maybe try to go to a big school or you know something about it just didn't really click so um, when they asked me to walk out it was a pretty easy decision for me to just basically look look for other opportunities um at the time it was kind of like a, a pride thing you know they i never forget when i walked into the meeting at the end of the visit that's usually when you walk in and you sit down with the head coach and he He'll offer, he'll offer you the scholarship and you'll sign your commitment on the spot. And they, I walked in there and they asked me to walk on. That was a, and that was not the plan. They had told me that they were going to, you know, I was going to be getting a scholarship. And some things happened that weekend. I guess they had a few guys commit that they weren't expecting that were going to. So no, no 
you know, hurt feelings at all on my end, but it did put us in a, a scramble. And, you know, fortunately, looking back, I mean, I, at the time it was, you know, your, your pride's hurt, but I ended up landing, walking on at the University of Iowa with Kirk Ferentz, who's still at the university. I mean, one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet. Not, who cares about football? You know, Coach Ferentz is just such a class act and great guy. And, and University of Iowa, I didn't even know much about I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. As a matter of fact, I tried to um, – I only got a 25 on my ACT. I was a good student, like a 4.0 student. But I, I took the AC one, ACT one time. I got a 25, and I said, I'm done. That's good. Um, in hindsight, I wish I would have probably went back and tried to get that up a little bit because I would have probably had access to schools like Notre Dame and stuff like that. But when I applied – University of Notre Dame, I didn't even get accepted. I wasn't getting any help from the coaches or anything like that to get into school. So, um, fortunately, learned a lot about the University of Iowa really quickly. Um, they were interested in me. I, you know, I was a good running back in high school and, you know, played football in the Big Ten. I knew I was going to have to move to the defensive side. My dad was a free safety for Northern, so I assumed that's what I do in college anyway. So, Ended up walking on out at Iowa, got a great education. Uh, the people in the state of Iowa are just crazy about the Hawkeyes. Just great, great fans. I've played for a lot of teams, and, you know, Byron here, we take our football serious, and this town really supports the program unbelievably. But I don't know if I've ever seen better fans anywhere than Hawkeye fans. They're just amazing. And we had a great experience, had a great five-year run was there like I said two Big Ten championships I think when when I graduated as a senior we were the had like the most wins of any senior class in Iowa history and so it was just you know a lot of fun uh, my last game at the University of Iowa was the Capital One Bowl and we had LSU down big early and then they put in a, a Jamarcus Russell as a freshman he comes out of nowhere ends up being like the first or second pick in the draft the next year but leads them back, and then we went on a last-second Hail Mary touchdown. So that was my last game as a Hawkeye. And, um, just a great experience. I'll never forget. Went on the bottom of that dog pile in the end zone down in Orlando, and we had a lot of fun after the game, too, with mm -hmm. some of your cousins. But uh, <laughs> some good memories there. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering, because obviously that situation of making the decision go to Iowa was obviously you said you learned about it very quickly and the decision was easy, but I'm sure there's a lot of athletes out there that have uh, maybe weren't recruited as heavily as they thought or didn't get the opportunities that they wanted. What advice can you give to an athlete that is in the process that may not be uh, getting the opportunities that they think they deserve? Uh, I think you just worry about things you can control, you know, um, and I, I coach high school football and kids are always talking to me about coach, you know, I'm, I'm not getting recruited or I want to do this and that, you know, you know, just worry about what you can control. And that's your work ethic. That's how you, your energy and, and your leadership and the work you put in leading up to your senior year and all that type of stuff. And at the end of the day, your high school game tape, what, what, what these coaches are looking at on Friday nights is going to speak volumes you know it doesn't you know I can't help you you know your coach can't help you nobody can help you you don't need to pay money to any recruiter they can't help you because if your high school tape shows you know that you're lazy when the play isn't going your way or you're not working hard or you're inconsistent 
and all that type of stuff. And so, you know, I, I never felt bad for myself. I just, you know, I, I didn't get a scholarship offer from Northern Illinois. Yeah, it was a, a big deal, probably, because, yeah, I had to go to the University of Iowa and spend $35,000 for two years. You know, when I was a walkout, I was looking forward to getting a scholarship just as it would be take some financial burden off my family. You know, that was probably a bigger deal than anything. But, um, you know, you just don't spend time feeling sorry for yourself. If you're, if you're worrying about things like that, um, there's other kids that are busy working and, and, you know, they're passing you up. And so life's not fair. And, the, you know, the sooner you realize that and just get, get busy working on the things that you can control, um, the better you'll get, you know, because like I was saying earlier, when you asked me about playing sports as a little kid, I was average. Um, You know, I was not an NFL football player as an eighth grader. Nobody says Sean Constantine's going to be an eight-year NFL player. But, you know, fortunately for me, when I grew up and it it became, you know, think something that I wanted to do, when I developed the work ethic, you know, it wasn't about what my dad wanted. It wasn't about what my mom wanted. It was when I wanted to put the time in the weight room and when I wanted to stay late and watch film and when I wanted to sit with Bill Parker and pick his brain for hours and hours when everybody else was home. Um, that's when I started getting better. And that's, you know, if you kind of get into that mindset and you get into that consistency and, you know, it's not about working hard for one day. You know, everybody can wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to do what it takes to be the best. Um, but to do that consistently over years and years and years, you start realizing that you, you had some potential built in you that you didn't realize, and it comes out. You just never stop getting better. And so that was a lot of fun. You know, it's, 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 I, I really enjoyed spreading that message to, to local athletes. Or it's not even about football. I mean, you can take that into business, or you know, if you want to be a doctor, or a teacher, you just want to be the best at what you're doing. You know. It's, it's a good, it's a good outlook to have. It's, it's kind of, I, I think I have a, a good, a decent message because, I mean, there's, I don't know how many millions of six foot, 200 pound white guys that look just like me that, you know, it's just kind of, you got to get in the mindset and you, you got to look for ways to improve. And, and then you also have to be, it's not about you, it's about the team. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're in a team sport like football, and, and you're not selfish and you look for little things that other people are overlooking. You do things like special teams or, you know, all, all the little things, you'll become a valuable, valuable asset to somebody. You might not be the best, but you can, you can be a valuable contributor to a team that's trying to win. Awesome. I think that what's also very admirable about you is that you did go to school eventually for your education. It wasn't your main focus wasn't really football because you were a walk-on, but once you got on the team, were you instantly an asset or did you have to really prove yourself uh, to the coaches for a while? Um, you know, I kind of remember as a younger player at Iowa, um, I, I, I knew right away that I wasn't out of my league, which, you know, I think happens sometimes with small town football players like myself. You know, I was either going to go there and right away realized that, man, I, there ain't no way I'm playing here. Um, but I, I think even Bill Parker, he talked to me, and they, they, they knew right away that I wasn't just a, you know, a guy that shouldn't have been there. And so, you know, I, I fit in, but that, that didn't mean, I mean, we, 
I sat be I, I didn't start till my junior and senior year, but I sat behind probably remember Bob Sanders. He was the defensive player of the league in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts. And then Derek Pagel was ahead of me as a free safety for a couple of years. Great player. He played for the Jets for three years. And so you just find out, you know, even if you're pretty good, there's a lot of good, good people, players, professionals, whatever it is in the world. And so um, the one thing I started um, really just enjoying was I'm not shying away from that or those people is learning from them and competing with them every day. I mean, I'll never forget. I think the best thing that ever happened to me was I walked on at the University of Iowa at the same time that Bob Sanders was a scholarship player in our in our recruiting class. He got overlooked by everybody too. He had no no offers. He's from Erie, Pennsylvania. Penn, Penn State did not offer him. Um, so I think he had Ohio University, which is a math school, not Ohio State, but Ohio University and the University of Iowa offered him a scholarship. And he was the best football player at the University of Iowa from the day he walked out, or that, that he showed up. He was incredible. And to have Bob Sanders around, I mean, we were both safeties, and I competed. I, I challenged him. Or we challenged each other. We competed in the weight room. Everything we did was to try to outdo each other. And Bob Sanders is the most explosive physical athlete I've ever been around. And for me to have to wake up every day and go into the weight room and try to keep up with him, I think was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Just because I, you know, it was tough. You know, I, I had to be at my absolute best to even have a chance to, you know, do some things that he was doing. And so that was a lot of fun. And that's what you find out, you know, you don't you don't shy away from great players you learn from them or you can against them or you know, they're, they're gonna push you, you know. So it's I was just a great environment. Yeah, I couldn't have been more fortunate to, you know, end up out there with the, not only with the coaches but some great teammates. Uh, we were hungry, you know. We were just that program had lost for a couple of years before I got there, and you know, I I was 14 and up as a senior at Byron, and then all of a sudden, you know, I go out to Iowa as a freshman, and we're one and eleven. It's kind of you know, you never want to go through something like that, but. Sometimes when you lose, you, you realize how much you want to win. And so that was a, a good experience. I think the whole program, you know, we had a big chip on our shoulder because we, we were getting killed. We were, we were bad. And the only solution to the problem was the work. And that's kind of what Chris Doyle and Kirk Ferentz and those guys did a great job. Just, you know, fortunately, we had a bunch of guys that were more talented than we probably knew. And we ended up being pretty good. So you mentioned all this work that you did off the field. What did you do to differentiate differentiate yourself, whether it was in the weight room uh, or watching film, or even like you said, learning from your peers? Um, you know, I don't know if I did anything like astronomical. I, I definitely put the time in. Um, you know, I, I think I was consistent over a long, long period of time. Like I kind of said earlier, I, I see this all the time with high school athletes. Um, and they're great kids. It's not, I mean, it's sometimes it's human human nature to do this. Like, like I said, anybody can work hard tomorrow. Like if I if I gave you this big rah rah speech, or your dad, or you know, we brought in Vince Lombardi and he spoke to the football team and asked you to do all this great stuff. We'd all wake up tomorrow morning and every one of us would get up early. We'd brush our teeth properly. We'd put our we'd put our stuff away and we'd 
we'd have a perfect day because we're motivated. But then the next, the day two, about 60% of those people would fall off, you know, because they're losing that self-motivation. So I just think I had a, you know, a, the ability to kind of focus on something long-term. And, and even if I wasn't seeing like big gains instantly to continue to work towards something. And just kept, it just kept my, um, you know, football career progressing. I was, I was always getting better. I was always learning. I, I, you know, when I got discouraged, because when you're a walk-on, I mean, as great as Kirk Ferentz and those guys were, I mean, there was nothing fair about it. I, I couldn't eat training table with the, the, the rest of the team. When you, back then, when you were a walk-on at a Division One program, they had, they fed all the scholarship players in one area. And when practice was over, we had to go to rush back to the dorm cafeteria. And most of the times it, it was closed. And that's, we couldn't eat with the team because it was some crazy NCAA rule. I'd like to know the guy that made that rule because I, I I'm not a fighter, but I would kick his ass. But it was, <laughs> there was some, it wasn't fair. But instead of being that guy that spent time, you know, whining or calling home and saying, you know, I'm, this is terrible. Mom and dad come pick me up. I just, you know, when, when I got back in the corner, I, I started fighting a little harder. So, I don't know. There's this consistency and, you know, just not getting discouraged. I, I, I've talked to some kids that have, you know, been through some hard times and sometimes, you know, doubt creeps into your mind and you start, sometimes the easiest thing to do is quit. Uh, you know, I, I, that, that just never entered my mind. and, and you know, I guess if I'd have a message for my kids or anybody, it was, you know, if you put yourself into a situation where that that's never an option for you, I, I think over time you could probably persevere and overcome any anything, you know, as long as you don't quit. Awesome. So kind of going off. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What you're just saying with, the, with not quitting, what can the average you said you're an average athlete growing up what can the average high school athlete that really wants to up their game or at least make it to some sort of college team what kind of advice could you give them uh, you know i'd say first and foremost you got to take care of your grades uh, especially i mean if you at the college level and especially at the professional level you it doesn't if you're the best athlete in the world if you, if you don't have the ability to think if you don't have the ability to retain information if you don't have the ability to communicate they're, they're going to find somebody else that can it's just and you know my kids deal with this they, they 
they're not crazy about school. You know, my oldest is naturally intelligent. It's, this comes easy to him, but he, he doesn't, he can't um, correlate math and reading and what he's doing as a sixth grader and how that could, you know, be meaningful to baseball, football, and all that type of stuff. And it's, you know, I, I have to explain to him, you know, when you go to the Philadelphia Eagles as a rookie and, Jim Johnson, who was a Chicago guy, great defense coordinator in the NFL for years and years and years. When he throws a playbook at you, that has all these scenarios, you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to read, you have to be able to process information. You got to know on third down what percent, you know, if they line up in this formation, it's 33% pass, you know, all this type of stuff. All of a sudden you start realizing that your ability to think in the, you know, isn't just for calculus and you know all that type of stuff it it actually relates to things in life you know football and now I'm a financial advisor I, I deal with math every day and um so it's a, it's just interesting trying to get that perspective to the sixth grader is often hard but I, I enjoy doing that at nights and my kids look at me like I'm nuts and but I keep on doing it awesome so you, you told me that eventually you were able to get a scholarship and you were able to make your mark at the University of Iowa. When did the discussion of being chosen in the draft initially start? Um, you know, Coach Ferentz does a great job. My junior pro day, I ran a 4-4-5 electronic 40-yard uh, dash, which put me really on the radar of – the NFL and soon after that they they have like a junior um, coach would at that time if you're a junior and you had aspirations of playing in the NFL or there you were going to have you know realistic opportunity to play in the NFL they would start getting involved with helping you through in your family through the process of hey you're going to eventually have to find an eight sports agent and there's going to be a lot of you know there's other things you got consider besides just the football part of it and so I think my junior year when I when we kind of went through that process and had to talk to some agents and stuff like that not not we weren't committing to them but they just kind of do a good job of educating me on the process um and that coach parents he you know he's got an NFL background and I think he told my dad after the the football banquet that year that he fully expected me to have a long NFL football career. I think it, that's where it kind of became um, re reality for us that this might be a possibility. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just such a – I don't want to say I, I doubt myself, but I just never – you know, I don't, work, I don't worry about that type of stuff. I didn't go into my senior year with, like, these hot – you know, oh, I got to be a second-round draft pick or that, that's what I'm doing now. You know, I actually – Got a great internship with a company called Medtronic. I had a, uh, went went to surgeries and I was working with Medtronic spine division and I was planning on maybe if things didn't work out with football, I was going to go on into the medical device sales. And a lot of my former teammates and buddies were doing really well with it. And you know, don't get me wrong, I wanted to play in the NFL, but if it didn't happen, you know, it wasn't going to be something that I was going to be devastate me. So, but I just continued to rely on the things that I had always done up to that point in my life that had worked. And that was, you know, get up every day, work, work your hardest.
hardest, put your best effort in, be a great leader, find a way to help the team win. And, you know, I ended up getting drafted by the Eagles, got to go out and play with Andy Reid and uh, the defensive backs coach out in Philadelphia, who I can consider a good friend and just a mentor of mine is Sean McDermott. He's now the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. And um, John Harbaugh was the special teams coach. I mean, they had an unbelievable staff out there. And so not only, you know, that, that my first year at Philadelphia was the year when Terrell Owens kind of went crazy and was doing the sit-ups and stuff on the driveway. And, you know, coming from an environment like Iowa, where all the everybody pretty much got along and we were successful and I've never seen teammates fight or nothing like that and then walking into that locker room and all the drama that was going on in the Eagles locker room that year was pretty eye-opening to me but um, definitely an experience I won't ever forget and we have just that's a that's a great football city their fans are a little rough you know nothing like Iowa's fans but Andy Reid, you know, I was so happy he won the Super Bowl last year. I'm a huge fan of his. He's a great guy. He's a um, great family. And so a lot of good stuff, a lot of good memories. So I'm just very curious. What was the feeling like when you initially got the call that uh, you were drafted uh, in the fifth round of the Philadelphia Eagles? Um. Well, actually, we learned a valuable lesson. I was supposed to get drafted the third or fourth round, and that was back when there was the draft was over two days. They did the first round on day one, or they did rounds one through three on day one, which was a Saturday, and they did four through seven on Sunday. And so, you know, not really knowing, or I guess Karen, we, we just decided to have a big party in Byron, and Chad Greenway and all my teammates from Iowa, some of them were underclassmen and all my high school buddies. We were, it was just like a big party for the weekend. We had, we had a lot of fun. And so we had a huge uh, party planned up at the Fifth Alarm was a local bar, restaurant in Byron on Saturday night, you know, just expecting, you know, hopefully get drafted in the third round. Well, it's a bad idea because I didn't get drafted in the third round. All of a sudden, you got this big party, and I was like, "What the heck? We should have waited till Sunday night to do this." So we just, it was kind of like a, a, a buzz kill, but not really. I mean, I wasn't that big deal. We still had a lot of fun, but I ended up being the first pick. The Philadelphia Eagles traded up on Sunday morning, and I was actually laying in bed, uh, half tired when my phone was ringing, my mom brought it down and gave it to me. It was Andy Reid on the phone and he called me about 10 minutes before the draft started. Um, they, they had traded up. They were going to take me, but he wanted to keep me on the phone in case somebody came in and tried to trade, you know, for the spot, for the pick that they had just acquired. Um, but that's, that's how I got drafted. So I was laying in bed and got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. The first pick of the fourth round, I was the guy that got picked before me was Maurice Claret, great running back from Ohio State University when we played there. And he, he went out to Denver. And he was the last pick of the third round, and I was the first pick of the fourth. So I had to, had to wait overnight to get for one pick. That's funny. Uh, so you mentioned that you, when you got to the Eagles, there was a little bit of a toxic environment in the locker room. Uh, how'd you deal with that? Did you just kind of keep your head down and keep it to yourself or uh, did you have to get involved at certain times? 
Well, as a rookie, I mean, it, you kind of, when you come into any program, I think you just keep your mouth shut and you're doing a lot of listening and learning. And so, you know, I, I wasn't as involved, but uh, it was just, it was just interesting to see the dynamics of that football team just get ripped apart internally. That was something I was not used to. You know, I had an incredible group of teammates that I grew up with and played high school football with. We were best friends. I think that we were obviously good football players, but our biggest strength by far was the team. I mean, the bond, the, you know, we, we knew each other, we got along, we hung out. I mean, even the guys that didn't like each other during the football season respected each other. I mean, it was just, and that, a lot of that came from the coaches, you know, Everett Stein at Byron just did a, did a great job with that type of stuff, but that was our biggest strength in the same, same situation at Iowa. I mean, I, yeah, we had some guys that may, might not have got along every now and then, but by the time you made it back to the locker room, you're, you're, you know, you're playing ping pong and shooting pool and getting in the cold tub, and it was just a team, you know, we were all fighting for the same thing, so that was a unique situation at Philadelphia, I've just never been around, you know, the professional ranks, are definitely there's a different dy dynamic when money is involved, you know, there's people making a lot of money, and there's media attention and you know it was it was a great experience and I, I loved every second of it but it's definitely there's some different dynamics going on there that aren't aren't probably the most healthy or don't bring out the best in everybody but you know it is what it is I, I, I learned how to adapt that you know my thing was I was always trying to find that way that I can contribute I can become a valuable member of the team you know hope that I could be respected and provide some type of leadership and you know it takes time and over the course of my eight year, years I was voted team captain you know at Iowa and Byron and then you know ultimately a couple of the teams I had got to the point where I was you know captain and that, that's a big deal and so you know you can do it it's just everywhere is different you always need to be learning you always need to be listening you know big, big part of life is to be a great listener you know even if you like to talk like I do um, you know, oftentimes you need to just be quiet every now and then, listen and learn. So you, you mentioned that you went to um, a few different teams. Uh, was it interesting going to different cultures? And how did you, like you said, how did you adapt to those uh, different teams and different mindsets that each team brought? Yeah, I mean, one of the best, greatest you know, things that I got out of football was just being around so many different types of people, you know, being from Byron, Illinois, you know, we got maybe 5,000 people in Byron, you know, it, I grew up in a very controlled, great environment, great place to raise family, um, you know, but going to Iowa and playing in the NFL and meeting people from other parts of the country, different cultures, you know, different skin colors, just a great, great experience. I couldn't have had more fun, you know, and then the different personalities of the coaches and the different styles and the different schemes. And, um, you know, I think it just gave me an interesting uh, experience. And then also a perspective, you know, I've, I've seen the most complex systems stink and I've seen the simplest systems work unbelievably well. And so I just, you know, I, the one thing you come back and coach in high school football, you hear a lot of parents or whatever, oh, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. And none of that's important. It's all about the kids, the players, the team, you know. 
it, I, I always tell I don't, I don't care if you ran football every play. If the kids believe in it and they get good at it, they'll probably be unstoppable, especially if they're talented. Um, we could run, we could try to pass every play and run a spread offense. And if we stink, we stink. It doesn't have anything to do with the scheme. And so it's all about buying in and believing in what you're doing and being, being a great listener, like I've said a few times. And so, um, yeah, just a great experience. What a, you know, opportunity of head coaches, you know, Andy Reid, Jack Del Rio, John Harbaugh, Ken Wisenhunt, and, you know, Ron Rivera down in Carolina, just all different personalities, all different leadership styles, but great in their own unique ways. You know, it's just kind of fun to, you know, sit back and, and watch and listen and learn from different people. And then as you get older and you start raising your own families and, uh, you know, maybe doing things in the business world, you know, trying to incorporate some of the things that you you learned and, and saw, you know, through football and other parts of your life. It's, uh, that's probably the one thing that, I, that I've gotten the most enjoyment out of is getting to kind of try to implement some of that stuff that you learn um, from some of the greatest leaders you've ever been around uh, in different parts of your life. So what are some of those lessons that uh, you learn from, uh, obviously, those amazing coaches that you've been able to um, instill in your high school athletes? Um, you know, I think I, my personality and the scheme I run at Byron's all about simplicity. I mean, I, you're, you're talking about high school kids. There's, we have two hours a day. Most of our kids at Byron play both ways. And so, you know, we, we might have 45 minutes of defensive practice three days a week where you can install and do things. And so if, if we're trying to do anything complex and the kids are confused, I don't care if we're better than the other team or not, we're, we're going to struggle. And so we try to keep it simple. It's kind of more like that, the University of Iowa style. Um, they did, we ran one defense at Iowa and everybody knew what we did, but we just got so good at it, it didn't matter. You know, we were just going to, you know, they were going to have one week to prepare for us. We did what we did all the time. And, and they knew it, and but we were just great at it. Uh, so that's the kind of the philosophy I run. You know, when I went to the Philadelphia Eagles, Jim Johnson, he ran a lot of zone blitz, man blitz, a lot of adjustment uh, in itself was an unbelievable defense. He's, I mean, you can look him up, Jim Johnson. He's well known for, he's innovative. He, he invented a lot of things. You know, he brought a lot of different ways of, you know, play call and then defensive schemes to the NFL over the course of his career and a different way to do, do it though and it was successful and you know um, so I, I've seen it both ways it's just you know I've kind of snuggled into looking at the high school athlete the kid that you know a lot of these kids are worried about who they're taking to prom and who they're you know if they got gas for their car or, you know where they're going to get their next meal and all that type of stuff. Football oftentimes is secondary. So if I'm trying to have them do some uh, crazy defensive schemes where it takes a lot of brain cells, I might be a little disappointed. So <laughs> we try to keep it simple here at Byron. It's been pretty successful. Um, unfortunately for us, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we've, we've lost two state championships in a row. So that's been a little tough. Because, of course, it's, we're proud to, you know, get to that game two years in a row. But it's, it's, it rips your heart out when you lose that game. And we've, we've lost two heartbreakers, really, two years in a row. And so I feel for the kids, but it's been a lot of fun. I couldn't be more proud of them. They actually played their tails off and couldn't ask it for any more. It's just 
we got beat by better teams on that night. Yeah, and what I really like though is that you you talk about that you try to instill uh, in those athletes to create them into better men and create them into better people for the future. So what values or lessons do you try to teach your athletes more on an off the field sense that you know that will help them for the rest of their lives? Well, you know, it's kind of how we were taught when we played football here at Byron by Everett Stein. He's a Hall of Fame coach at IHSA, uh, just a, a great, great coach. And it, and none of it's about football. Uh, I always tell people, you know, I'm, I don't care if your kid plays football or, you know, you're worried about concussions or all that type of stuff. I'm worried about it too. I mean, I played a long time. I think I'm perfectly fine, but I, the, the experience of high school football is one of the greatest experiences a young man can, can have in his life. And, and it doesn't have to do with the, the ball, the game, or anything like that. It's just to be able to experience that in a, in a program that's done right, where the focus is on family and team and brotherhood and hard work. And, you know, it's just a great environment to instill character, um, to develop young men. And so, you know, to me, it's not about football. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm the coach. I got to, I spend all Saturday, all Sunday getting prepared for the week, drawing cards up, putting game plans together. Love that type of stuff. But that's really for the coaches. And But when we show up on Monday, it's about the kids, you know, it's about making sure that their high school experience, and th this is our best players and our worst players. It don't matter to us. We want the high school high school experience to be a great one and Byron football is special we, you know we do a lot of things with the moms and with the dads and it's all about family it's all about team it's all about the experience and so you know yeah we're proud to be in the state championship game and you know at the end of the day the, the byproduct the result is success but um the focus isn't on the game it's not on the scheme it's not on football it's on you know the things that you're trying to develop with the kids awesome so i know that obviously you ended up on the ravens and you like you said earlier you actually made it to the super bowl and you won the super bowl what was it like just the atmosphere of obviously that insane game and then eventually winning it like what was going through your head uh, after that all went down well that whole experience of the you know super bowl considering that I, that was my eighth year in the nfl i pretty much knew i was that was my, my last year i i had some hip issues that i was going to have to get surgery on and i if i got the surgery to try to play a ninth year there was it was like a six month recovery time so i didn't know if i'd be able to make it back by the start of training camp the following year and so i just kind of knew i was hanging it up after at the end of that season um but so to have all that come together, you know, on the, the year that I knew I was done was just unbelievable. You know, we, we weren't, you know, killing everybody during the football, you know, the, the regular season of that NFL season. But, you know, you just have an unbelievable head coach and leader like John Harbaugh and, you know, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, you know, the people that were on that team, they're just, they're winners. I mean, they, they don't accept losing. They don't accept anybody thinking about losing. You know, even at, after you know, I have a game where I'll never forget, we went down to Houston and got just destroyed by the Texans right before our bye week. I think we got beat by like 40 points. 
And, you know, no, nobody panicked. Nobody doubted that we were, you know, still going to compete for a Super Bowl. We were going to come back and get better. We are going to do what it took. And, and it was just that culture, that Ravens culture. That's how they are out there. They've always been respected. They, you know, they have this tenacious defense. And that was a lot of fun to be a part of that. And, um, you know, we really turned around the special teams that year and had you know, a lot a lot of players or people don't ever look at special teams as like an opportunity to, you know, find an area of a football game where somebody might not be focusing on where you can really make it an advantage for your, your team. And John Harbaugh with a special teams background did a great job with that. And we had Jacoby Jones that year who returned a lot of touchdowns and we had a lot of good role players on special teams that were doing their job and man we um, I'll never forget we you know we were kicking San Francisco's butt until they Ray Lewis likes to say that Roger Goodell shut the lights off on, on down at the Super Bowl I think he's crazy to say that but uh, the lights did go off and it kind of did take the wind out of our sails and we lost the momentum and um, San Fran started coming out coming back on us and you could just feel it happening um, but I remember we went in at halftime and we were going to be getting the kickoff to start the second half. And we, we kind of got together as a group of four special teams guys. We're like, look, we got to get the momentum. We got to get this going back in our way. And lo and behold, Jacoby, he took it 108 yards to the house to start the second half. And, and I'll give San Francisco credit, though. They fought back and shoot, we were holding on to our rear ends to finish off that game. But just a great experience. I mean, you get 14 tickets as a, as a player to, for everybody that's in the Super Bowl, and I, I could have used about 1,400 of them because everybody in the world wanted one, and I would have loved to give everybody one. Uh, but then Roger, the NFL, they charge you for all those puppies, and they're 900 bucks, and so I had to pay for 14 tickets at 900. But no big deal. Had made plenty of money back then, but just a great opportunity to you know give back. I asked my high school football coach and his wife to come. I asked Phil Parker and his son to come, you know, good opportunity to share that experience and kind of like the pinnacle of my career with some people that obviously helped me get to that point. And, um, you know, my family and I think half the town of Byron was down at New Orleans and most of, a lot of them didn't have tickets, but they were, they found a lot of fun while they were down there in New Orleans and they had a good time. And, just a great experience, you know, so a lot of great memories, and that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, uh, fortunately for us, we we won. I would show you the, the ring, but I actually keep it up at the bank, and I forgot to bring it up for you, bud. That's all good. Uh, so you had this very successful career in the NFL, but then when you ended up leaving the NFL, you had a tr transition, and you decided um, to kind of get into business. So what made you decide to do what you did and how are you using a lot of the lessons in that work ethic that you developed uh, throughout your career to help you in this new endeavor? Um, you know, it's just, you, you kind of, I finished my career and, you know, came back to my hometown. We decided to raise it. We have five kids. We have triplets that are eight years old. So like a lot of people think the biggest accomplishment of, of my life was making it to the NFL. I, I think it's, that uh, we've raised triplets, they're eight years old now. Um, and all the credit goes to my wife. I've, I've done about 10% of the work, maybe. Um, but so we, we've had our hands full, but we wanted to move back to, to our hometown, uh, raise our kids in an environment that 
you know, we grew up in that we're used to, um, our biggest life achievement will be, you know, raising a successful family, you know, showing our kids uh, what a marriage should be look, look like and, you know, doing, doing all the things that, that you should. And, and football, so I think, set me up for that. It's about consistency. It's about discipline. It's about sacrifice and all that type of stuff. And so we just had a great time. Now I'm working for the local bank and you know, the one thing. Uh, that that's important to me is you know I grew up I knew my dad was a football player and he, he had a good career and played through college and stuff like that but the one thing that I think stuck with me about when I respected and watched my dad growing up was I, I watched him go to work every day and I, I knew that he was a successful businessman and I saw the consistency and the things that he did and to build his business career and so I'm busy now. You know, my kids are getting older. I think they're getting to the point where they can understand things a little bit better. They're being very observant. They see me. And so, you know, it's important that I I want my kids to see me getting my butt out of bed and going and building a, a career. You know, they're, they're all more than likely not going to play in the NFL. You know, they're going to have to go to work someday. And so I'm busy just trying to be a role model like my dad was for me and get my butt to work. And be successful and, and do that type of stuff so my kids really can see me do that awesome i mean obviously it's very admirable that you always put family first and you're always trying to be um the best role model possible so the last question i have for you i ask this uh to every single guest uh there's two of them the first one is are there two books or any books that you could list off uh that have impacted you at all all my books are right behind me. See them all? Yep. Uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't have one. I'm, I mean, I, I read books, but I, I'm not, I, I don't have one that I can point out to you. The, I've been reading every financial planning book there ever was for the last year and a half. That's, they're all boring, but a lot of good information in them. But no, I'm not, book-wise, I, hey, I, I'm going to tell you, the face-to-face the -face interaction and the, the this observation of people and sitting back and listening to the leaders and then, you know, having the ability to gravitate towards people that are going to, that are doing the right things instead of people that are going to steer you the wrong way is probably, uh, I don't need books, you know, and there's great information in every book that's behind me right now. And I, I love it, but I've been really fortunate to, I don't know if I have a knack or just pure luck or what, but the, the people I've been around in my life, are, they have more useful uh, information and outlooks and perspectives. Um, and I've always found that if I just listen and observe to the right people, that everything I've ever needed was always, even in a little town like Byron. And it was at Iowa when I went there. It was at Philadelphia when I was there. It was just, you know, it was just kind of my job to, figure out who's the winners here and who's the losers. There's not, you know, not every, everybody's, you know, going to steer you the right way. And so that was, those are my books. Awesome. And the final question I have uh, is what piece of advice would you give yourself if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were um, in high school? When I was in high school, uh, piece of advice. 
well, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just say kind of what I did. I mean, don't, don't worry about the future. Uh, don't, don't worry about if you're good enough. Don't worry about all the things that, like I said earlier, that you can't control. Just get busy focusing on your routine, your habits. Make sure your habits are winning habits. You know, that's one thing I like to talk to our high school kids about is, you know, everybody talks about habits and a lot of times it's like bad habits. You're used to as a kid and your mom and dad tell you bad habit, you're biting your fingernails, you're bad habit, you're doing this. Well, I, there's nobody that ever said that your habits can't be good habits. And so if you start developing habits, I mean, consistency or routine where you, that you start doing on a daily basis, and you're serious with yourself, like, when, you know, like the other thing I like to talk to my kids about is when you get up every morning and you're brushing your teeth and you're kind of looking at yourself in the mirror, you have a conversation that, hey, today's going to be the greatest Wednesday of my life. And what am I going to do to make that happen? And then you go about your day and you get after it like that. Like you have a purpose, you have an intention to be great. It's gonna put a lot of pressure on you because you know you probably did the same thing the day before, and you got to figure out a way to improve or do more. Also, I mean, you just never know how good you can get. I mean, there's no excuse. I mean, I've had teammates that came from nothing. I mean, they they didn't have a mom and dad like I had. They didn't have education. They didn't. You know, they, there could have been a million things that they said, "I don't have. I can't do this because of that." But instead, they got busy focusing on the things that they could control. They figured out a routine. They surrounded themselves with winners. They were great listeners. Um, you know, just be one of those people. Uh, don't don't be one of those guys that's whining about all the things that didn't go right for you or complains about the coach or the teacher. You know what? That, that's the one thing that I've always found. Like, it really didn't matter for me if the coach was great. I just wanted to know what he was asking. Coach, you know, I don't care what scheme we're going to run. I don't care what technique you want me to do. Just tell me what you're looking for. And then once I figured that out and I actually did what he expected, I actually became a pretty valuable member of the team, and I actually got pretty good at what he was wanting me to do. And always worked. And so, you know, focus on those types of things and, and the, really the things you can control. And I think you're not only going to be successful, most likely, but you're gonna you're gonna have a different outlook and just a, a different you know energy and uh, you're, you're gonna be a positive human being and I think that's important especially in this day and age you know social media it seems like everybody's unhappy I mean I feel like that's a choice I I, I choose to be happy or working towards something or excited or positive or optimistic whatever. Be that because you know when you when you carry that bad energy, it's it's going to affect you. I mean, if you're trying to work out to be an athlete or you're trying to go to school or to be a doctor, you know, if you have negative energy or a poor outlook, it's going to really affect the way you operate. So, you know, just control what you can control, man. Get to work. Sky's the limit. You just never know how good you can get, and it's it's exciting. You know, it's it's we deal with it all the time. We get one of the great I'm coaching high school football and we got kids now that are graduating college from when I first started some of them are in the Marines some of them are in the 
Navy SEALs, some of them are doctors. I mean, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's all the same stuff that, yeah, they didn't go play in the NFL like I did, but I couldn't, I'm, they're, they're doing great things. I mean, they're great members of society. They're going to be great husbands and fathers, and that's that's what's important. So a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, Sean, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you had so many lessons to share, and uh, I love your journey and how you're able to overcome uh, a lot of uh, obstacles that most people would quit at, and you didn't have any excuses along the way. So again, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, that's it for the 5am hustle podcast. I appreciate you guys listening as always. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate it more than you could possibly imagine. The one thing that I ask from you is that you, if you've received any sort of value or learned anything from this episode, please share it with at least one friend. Follow the number 5am hustle podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Our Twitter handle is 5am hustle. If you have any questions or feedback, DM me or email me at 5amhustlepodcast at gmail.com. As always, go in the day.